Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Let them have it. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit superbook.com. Is there room for two on that couch that Jerry's going to sleep on? I'm shot myself. All right, going to 5 a.m. with the warm-up show with Al and CeeLo, who's in for Jerry, who's in for Boomer. Jerry's going to go get a little nap after that tough Rutgers loss. Um, but either way, uh, you know, we'll uh, hear from Jerry coming up on the morning show in just a few hours. 877-337-6666 is the number to call. Just to reset a little bit, start of the night talking about, well, it's been a little bit of everything tonight, really, with the Rangers' disappointing performance in Kane's debut. We talked about the WBC and the impact that could have in a negative way on you know, Major League Baseball, as far as the teams go, whether it's the local teams here or other teams that are loaning their players to the WBC tournament. So that has been a topic of discussion, along with the young players in Mets camp that are playing well with Beatty and Mauricio. Yankees with Volpe as well. Young players are going to have to make an impact this year on these teams with high payrolls and high expectations still in need of the young players to have an impact. And we've been talking about the quarterback situation, whether it's Aaron Rodgers and his possible decision, whether it is Daniel Jones and his laughable. I'm not trying to paint Daniel Jones as the bad guy. I know that it's the business and the agents are the one who are asking for the money, but $45 bucks for Daniel Jones. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Come back down to earth, will you, Daniel, or your reps? Not a good look for Jones, and he's putting the Giants in a tough spot too because – if Jones does come back, it's going to be with the franchise tag. It's not going to be for that much money unless they could somehow come to an agreement in the next few days before that franchise tag deadline. And if he is tagged, that means the end of Saquon Barkley. So big decisions to be made all around for both the Giants and the Jets. The Jets awaiting Aaron Rodgers, it feels like. Derek Carr, meanwhile, reportedly uh, the, the Saints are very interested and they're ready to sign Derek Carr. So Carr... You know, going to weigh his options, I guess, and decide if he wants to wait out what goes on with the Jets or just sign with the Saints. Jets playing a little quarterback roulette here, risking the possibility of losing maybe one of their top choices. Mark is calling from Long Island. Good morning, Mark. How are you? How are you, Sal? How are you, Mark? 
So two things, one on the Rangers, one on the Jets. Mm-hmm. On the Rangers, your call screener was telling me that uh, Patrick Kane is just a rental. He's a free agent at the end of the season, right? Correct. What did they give up for him? Um, they gave up uh, a couple of picks and you know had to maneuver some things. Kratzoff got traded as well, so they didn't really give up much. Just a couple of picks. So do you remember if they were high picks or or no? I think one of them, if the Rangers make the Stanley Cup Finals, goes from a second round to a first round pick. Okay. Um, anyway, on the um, Jets, you know, I still like your idea about Matt Ryan if he got cut and became available and if the Jets couldn't get Rodgers. you have any updates on what's going on with Ryan? He's going to get caught. I don't know when it's going to happen. I'm assuming soon, but whatever the deadline may be, the Colts are probably waiting to the last minute to maximize the cap space that they would save by cutting him on a certain date. But he's going to get cut by the Colts, there's no doubt, and he will become a free agent. Now, you and I may be the only two who think that Ryan would be a good option, but there are many reasons that I've gone over plenty of times to why I think he would be a good option. Number one, I do think they could win with him just as much as they can win with Derek Carr. I think they could win with Matt Ryan this year. Number two, he would be the perfect mentor to Zach Wilson. So yeah. that would be, and the Jets themselves, it's not just me saying it, the Jets themselves believe that Zach Wilson could still be saved. Joe Douglas said as much the other day. Absolutely. And you know, with Derek Carr, I'm not really sold on him because I know he has good stats over his career, but, you know, the Raiders just let him go. They have good receivers out there. Um, they have the former offensive coordinator for Tom Brady, and he lets him, he cuts him and tells him to go home. So he's not a distraction. Right. So, I mean, they must know something. Correct. That's why, and look, forget about even that. Look at what Carr has done with the Raiders. You're right. He puts up numbers. He's an okay quarterback statistically and at times can be part of a an offense that, you know, can move the football through the air, but it's just never consistent enough. It's never good enough. It's not it's not winning enough. The style of his play is not winning enough. He almost it's like he finds ways to lose. I'm not just pinning it all on Derek Carr, but he is if if he were a great quarterback, you don't have franchise quarterbacks just being uh let go by right. a team that needs a quarterback. And it was McDaniel's choice, I'm sure, to say, you know what, this is not the guy I want to be attached with moving forward. And that's his last opportunity, McDaniels. He knows it. As a head coach, after failing the first time, this is the second chance. You only get one second chance. He wants to make the most of it with his guy, whoever that may be, and it clearly was not Derek Carr for whatever reason. And, you know, Derek Carr is 31 years old, so he's been around a long time. He's had a whole career, and if he was really uh, such a franchise quarterback, you think somebody would have seen that by now. Well, he's going to get signed. I mean, Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's he to me, you know what he is? Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of scary. Now, but it means you could win a little bit with him, right? You could win. You could maybe get to the postseason. Maybe you win a game, but... I don't think he's going to be anything beyond what Kirk Cousins has been for Minnesota. Well, you know, Sal, Jet fans are not going to be happy with that. Uh, you know, right now it sounds good. Make the playoffs. Sorry, you, you make a playoff game. As soon as they get eliminated from that first playoff game, nobody's going to be happy about it. No, that. it's going to be, oh, Carr's not good enough. Right. You know, yeah, he's better than Wilson, but he's not good enough. What's going to be the next quarterback? That's why, to me, it's all in for Aaron Rodgers. It is very rare you get a quarterback of Rodgers – ability to become available whether it's at this stage of his career or not it doesn't matter and if they could somehow go get Aaron Rodgers 
it takes them to another level right, right. away. The only thing that concerns me is how much would they have to give up for him. That's the only thing. Well, but you're going to give up picks, Mark. And, you know, right now the Jets have picks to give up. And thank you for the call. Appreciate you checking in. They have picks to give up. And they have a young defense, have a young stud receiver, have a young stud running back. They have all the pieces in place. Now's the time to make a move like that where you can afford to go all in and trade some picks to go get Aaron Rodgers. Now, where the Jets are going to have a problem is if the Dolphins become interested in Rodgers. To me, that's the only real threat, which I think is why the Jets are waiting. They see the writing on the wall. They probably hear through back channels that Rodgers might be interested in going there if, in fact, he does want to play again. And what do you think? Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett haven't talked at all? I know Rodgers seems to be out there, but he was reportedly great friends with Nathaniel Hackett. You don't think they've discussed this to any extent? Again, I'm not saying definitively he's going to come here because of it, but there had to be some kind of conversation. If I'm the Jets, I run the risk, and that's what they're doing here. I run the risk of losing Derek Carr to get Aaron Rodgers. I think he's worth it. Saints are going to sit back and wait, although they're ready to sign Carr right now if they could, if he would. And Carr himself is going to have to make a decision. Is he going to make the Saints wait? Or, and you know, and see what happens with the Jets, or just go to New Orleans and forget about what happens with the Jets. And then when the musical chairs stop, if Rodgers gets traded elsewhere or decides to retire and the Jets are out on Carr and Rodgers, then what? I'm sure Carr is going to wait to see what Rodgers does because then he may even become more in demand. Because now you'll know, well, all right, this team, you know, let's say Rodgers retires. Now Carr is all of a sudden the number one guy for a lot of teams. You know, Lamar Jackson aside, of course, because of whatever's going on with Baltimore where they can tag him or sign and trade him. Well, no, I would think we'd have an answer here by next week, the latest. Andrew's calling from Brooklyn. What's up, Andrew? Sal, what's up, man? It's a pleasure to speak to you. You too, Andrew. What's on your mind this morning? Yeah, wanted to talk a little Knicks. You know, last time we spoke, we actually spoke a little, a little Nas and Knicks. But um, yeah, I was yeah, man, I was uh, wanted to call um follow up on the Knicks again, and uh, you know, love what's going on, diehard fan, and you know, I'm listening to a lot of other shows, a lot of people who call the S on the show on the station. I feel a uh, baseball fans who at best tolerates the NBA. Because most of the calls, if you listen, they just call and complain about the, the NBA. You know, part. it is weird, Andrew. And I used to do the same thing, and I try not to anymore, especially now with the Knicks being good. But right, you're right. right. A lot of the calls don't like the style of play. And it's been like this for a while, the style of play. Right. So, I mean, right. I, I feel like at this point, just accept it, get used to it, because it is what it is. It's not going anywhere. And that's a fact, and it's, and it's not just that. It's, it's also this thing for me where I don't want us to make the same mistake that we did um, with the Atlanta series. Granted, this Knicks team is a better team, but when I hear people call, even some, some hosts, they talk about Cleveland because that would most likely be the matchup in the playoffs, right? Um, they talk about Cleveland like the Knicks would just beat them. And I'm not sure some of these people know who Evan Mobley is. If they ever watch Darius Garland or even know who right. Isaac Okoro is, you know, I'm not saying can the Knicks beat them? Yes, they can. But I think people are sleeping on the Cavs like 
they'll just walk up into Cleveland and just beat them like it's nothing. And I just think that's a huge mistake. I mean, when you look at the matchup, you know, Jared Allen got better from when he was in Brooklyn. Um, Evan Mobley is like a young KG. You know, so you you assume Mitchell Robinson and, and Julius Randle offsets Allen and Mobley, right? Brunson offsets Garland. RJ Barrett becomes very important when the playoffs start because that leaves Barrett and Donovan Mitchell. And we can assume who's going to have a better series. So I just want people to just, just to, you know, instead of complaining about the NBA, actually watch it or follow it and know what they're talking about, you know? Correct, and I will raise my hand as being guilty on both fronts, and I love everything you just said right there, Andrew, and I love the example that you brought up with Atlanta. Now, there was more merit a couple years ago to be dismissive of Atlanta only because of the way the Knicks handled them in the regular season. I know it was different, obviously, in the postseason, but you saw the Knicks handle them in the regular season, and it just felt like, they were going to be able to take care of him. At least it did for me going in. And then right away you realized, uh-oh, this is going to be a problem for the Knicks when you started watching it. And the Knicks did everything that they didn't do in the regular season. You know, They played right. the exact opposite in the postseason. And I think you're right. Fans like myself included looking at it, well, okay, Cleveland's not Milwaukee. They're not Boston. They're not Philadelphia. So maybe they're beatable. But the reality is they are a very overlooked, underrated team. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, and they've been good dating back to last year. They were good, came out of nowhere, young team with some young players. Adding Donovan Mitchell, who, you know, I love Jalen Brunson, but postseason series, you're talking about guys who could be assassins and take over down the stretch of these games. You know, Donovan Mitchell would not be somebody I'd want to be going against there. So Cleveland... You're right. I'm glad you brought the awareness to me, Andrew. I should have known better, especially after the Hawks series. Cleveland is not going to be a cakewalk, and we shouldn't be talking about the Knicks as far as winning that first-round series. They could. Sure, they could. Exactly, and that's the whole thing I'm saying. Like, can they win? Yeah, they could could beat Cleveland in six or seven, but a lot of people, I'm just listening, and I'm like, hold on, hold on. Like, they'll sweep them, or they'll just beat them, and just move on, talk about the next series, but... Thanks for the time, Sal. I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank, thank you, you Andrew. Good Stay stuff. Blessed, yep, man, right? you, you too, man. Thank you very much. Great stuff. You're right. And I think it's just wishful thinking. We're being hopeful, starved for postseason success to win a round, and looking at it saying, well, heck, if they can't beat Cleveland, who can they beat in that postseason? You know, they're being a five or six seed. Or, you know, whatever, four, five, six in that realm. Who are they going to beat? They're not beating those top teams. They could, but we shouldn't just be dismissive of a good Cleveland team because they don't have the stars or the resume maybe that the top three do in that division or in the conference. But it is a time to be excited about the Knicks. I mean, they've won seven straight, taken on the Heat tonight, another big game on the road before they take on the Celtics on the road again. And the Knicks are going to have to continue to prove themselves. And even if they do well in the regular season, and let's say they finish with the fourth seed, still going to have to prove themselves in the postseason. No question about that. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Mets have acquired... Mike Piazza from the Florida Marlins. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Salicata back on the fan. You don't need to find a pot of gold to strike it rich this March. Instead, win money on your tournament wagers with Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best team of odds makers in the business, so they're the safe bet when it comes to sports gambling. You have a direct line of their experienced staff behind the counter in Las Vegas. They also have one of the most extensive betting menus around, so no matter what you want to wager on come tournament time, Superbook is sure to have it. Download the Superbook app and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 877-337-6666. We touched on a little bit earlier. You know, Willie Randolph drives me nuts for many reasons. I never liked him as the Mets manager. I didn't think he was... I thought he brought Yankee arrogance without the results. And I know the Mets were good in 2006, obviously, but I didn't think Willie knew how to manage. And nice enough guy. I mean, I'm not knocking that, but he always drove me nuts, probably because he was a former Yankee, number one. And then number two, I didn't love the way that he managed. But Willie going out there yesterday saying that Anthony Volpe has that it factor, like Derek Jeter it factor. What could possibly go wrong now? Comparing a young Yankees rising shortstop, if Volpe does play short, he could also play second, so who knows, to Derek Jeter? Come on, Willie. Come on, Willie. Don't do that to the kid. I just, to me, the hype or overhype of these prospects, it becomes way too much. Wake me up when they actually get it done. For an extended period. Let's see them come up to the big leagues and have a positive impact. But saying that he's got the it factor and sees a lot of Derek Jeter or whatever, sees Derek Jeter in Volpe. Hey, look, maybe, maybe he could be the next Derek Jeter. I mean, odds are it's probably not going to be the case, but maybe he could be. We'll find out. It is exciting, though. I do love the idea that both the Mets and Yankees have young prospects who we're looking forward to watching. Not just about old veterans or, you know, free agents. It's the young guys that are exciting, dreaming about them becoming homegrown stars. The way that the Yankees built their dynasty. You know, the core four. Or where you look at the Mets where they had some success. Obviously not as nearly as much as the Yankees, but... 
You look at a guy like David Wright who was back in camp yesterday. It's great to see David Wright back in Mets camp teaching the players, young and old, how to be professionals. How to deal with the pressure in New York, mainly the younger guys. He was talking specifically with Beatty, but you know he has a lot to offer as far as how to succeed in New York as a star player on a good team with everybody trying to get your attention, pulling out of you all different sort of directions. So there's a lot of uh, advice, a lot of experience Wright has to offer up that can be beneficial. Great to see him back with the Mets in training camp or in spring training and. You know, you hope that that can build a relationship that was reportedly not that good in recent months or years. I don't know what exactly happened, but I don't think that right. You know, remember, he didn't show up for old-timers day. I know he doesn't want to put on a uniform and play, or at least it doesn't seem like that's the case at this point. Right, probably still sad at the way his career went, forced to retire, you know, at a younger age, which is terribly sad. But I don't know if there was an issue with the Mets or not, but I want to see them in good graces. David Wright is going to be, no doubt, a Mets Hall of Famer and most likely have his number five retired one day. And it was nice to see him back and trying to help out the, the ball club. But anyway, you know, could Beatty be the next David Wright? Could Volpe be the next Derek Jeter? Nothing more fun in baseball than the homegrown superstar. Mario is calling from Long Beach. What's up, Mario? Hey, Sal. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for making it, Mario. How are you? Good, good. Thank you very much. Um, You know, I really think Lamar is the ace in the hole. And there's a couple of reasons. I heard Tannenbaum talking today, and he said that they're thinking of putting a non-exclusive franchise tag on him. I don't know why. that That doesn't make sense to me. But if they do, you could swoop in and steal him with two number one picks. That would be the steal of the century, considering Deshaun Watson, they gave up three number one picks, and Trey Lance, they gave up three number ones, a two and a three. And I mean, Lamar, I don't know if any, if you really look at this this guy's uh, accomplishments. You know what his record is as a starter, Sal? No, I'm sure it's great. Well, give me a uh, guess. Well, how many years has it been now? Four years, games. five years? He's got a 60-game record. 60-game record? Uh, I'll say 40 and 20. 45 and 16. Wow. That's the fourth best of all time. Wow. He's United Do you know that he was the youngest MVP of all time? No, I did not know that either. Youngest MVP and he was You the, don't worry oh, about he, though. You don't worry about the style of play Mario and the guaranteed money with that style of play and the ability to stay healthy. Well, let, let, let's talk healthy for a second. I have a good answer for you on this cuz I looked at every He's been in the league for 5 years, right? Okay. He's missed. He's missed five games this year. Five games last year, but only two in the first three. So over five years, he's missed twelve games. No, but the point is right. But the point is that he plays like a running back, and the wear and tear on a running back comes quickly. I wouldn't expect him to be that way in year one, year two. But as the years go on, and he continues to take the hits, it takes a toll on his body. And then maybe now you're taking away from what is the greatest strength of his game, which is running the football. But if you really look at him, Sal, if you really look at the way he runs, he, he's an elusive runner. The person that's going to get hurt more is like a Josh Allen who tries to run over people. Right, or Daniel injuries, Jones, right. Yeah, the injuries he had is when he was in the pocket. All right, so you don't you know, well, I'm worried about his legs. Um, and the other issue is there are two concerns, or three concerns, I guess, for me. Maybe even two. Forget the even guaranteed money. 
the style of play and the injuries. And the other concern would be I don't trust him enough to throw the football to win a big game when he has to. Because we haven't seen that yet from him in the postseason. Remember, they made the postseason, but it's been disappointment for Lamar. Uh, But he's only been there three times. Do you know how old he is? He's only 26 years old. I know. I like him as a quarterback. Look, that's why he's going to get paid. I mean, that's why there's an issue right now with the Ravens and the guaranteed money or whatever the contract is because he thinks he's worth a lot more. They, They value him, I'm sure. But Lamar Jackson wants... I think the last area was you know two hundred and fifty million or something guaranteed. Is it our money? Who cares? No, I I don't. But okay. when you when yeah. you guarantee that money, and look, he deserves that. I hope he gets it. I just would be I would be a little hesitant to give that out, knowing that he plays the game like a running back, and it's possible he gets injured, and it's possible that his style of play will deteriorate or or have to change as he his body gets more wear and tear on it to a point where you're going to ask him to be more of a pocket passer, which is not his strength. Uh, you know, he's the same as Jalen Hurts, and everybody's saying Jalen Hurts, you know, because uh, it's a bad I think team. Hurts is much better thrower of the football. I think, I, think, uh, I think Jalen Hurts is. I think Lamar's a better runner. I think Jalen Hurts is a much better thrower of the football than Lamar well, you Jackson. Know, to, to your point, if you look at this year that just passed, right, Jalen Hurts threw 22 touchdown passes and six interceptions. Lamar, when he, when he won the MVP, threw 36 touchdown passes, led the league in touchdown passes, and only five interceptions. Yeah, I mean, that's, now, a, in, that, that's a great year. Now, that's, that's just passing touchdowns? Passing touchdowns yeah. in 2019, 36. And Jalen Hurts right now only threw 22. He threw 14 more touchdown passes. And listen to this, Saddle, and then I'll let you go. Yeah. Over the last uh, over the last four years, Lamar is eighth in the league in rushing and seventh in passing TDs, even though he missed 12 games. Let me just let you know, Mario, I am not – anti-Lamar Jackson. I am not saying that I don't think Lamar Jackson is a good player. There's a different argument here. So you could go over the stats and try to prove to me, you know, what Lamar Jackson is, what he isn't. I I mean, I love Lamar Jackson as a player. I have major concerns about him staying healthy long-term. And I have some concerns about him as a thrower of the football. That's it. I'm not saying he's not a good quarterback. I'm just, when you factor in everything, hard for me to commit big-time money. But you're right. He's a young player. He's one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. He is going to get paid from somebody, just a matter of who. So you want him more than Rodgers? Uh, yeah, uh, yes. Because, because, look, Mahomes is 27. Josh Allen is 26. Burrow is 26. Lamar's in the same age group. They can go head-to-head in the next 10 years. You don't have to worry about looking for anybody anymore. Yeah. They're the same age. Yeah, if he stays healthy. And thank you for the call, Mario. Good stuff. Good facts, good info, good opinion. I would, look, I would certainly not be opposed to it. I would just be hesitant. For me, my first option, even if Lamar was maybe more realistic, I guess anything's possible, it's realistic, but my first option, regardless, would still be Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers is the best option in the short term, and I think it gives you flexibility moving forward, whether it's with Zach Wilson learning under Rodgers, so after two years, maybe transition to him. But either way, it gives you a a head start, or I mean, a head start's not the right word, 
it gives you the ability to build a foundation. Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets would give them the ability to build a foundation that if they don't screw it up, could start to bring guys in, plug them, and play them in a already successful franchise. Rodgers also takes them to a Super Bowl level right away. I don't know if Lamar does the same. Maybe. Lamar would be second on my list. He would be second. I mean, by far, over anybody else that's behind him. It's Rodgers, who's maybe a little out in front of Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's a huge separation there. But Rodgers would be number one. And Lamar, by far, would be number two. I just don't feel like it's realistic. Baltimore, I I can't imagine Baltimore losing Lamar Jackson. And, yeah, you're right. The First of all, when they get into the postseason early on with Lamar, it, he was disappointing. He was bad. And then the last couple of years, obviously, he's been banged up down the stretch. And they are just not the same without him, the Ravens. And neither would any team that takes him on. I mean, you're going to be, you lose Lamar Jackson, you're screwed. And his style of play, which has made him so successful, that could lead to him getting hurt. Tyler is calling from Queens. What's up, Tyler? Hey, so how's it going, man? How are you, Tyler? I'm doing good. Well, I mean, first of all, you're right. I mean, it goes Aaron Rodgers one, Lamar two, if he's available. I mean, but um, my main point is, uh, speaking of like Rodgers and Derek Carr, it's like the equivalent of like Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. And the fact that like not Donovan a bad Mitchell, comp. You know what I'm saying? Like Donovan Mitchell does not elevate the Knicks the same way he's not elevating the Cavs. You don't so, think he's made the Cavs better? No, he has made the Cavs, but are they championship contenders? Well, are they better than are they better than the Celtics, the Sixers, or the Bucks? No. Okay, so if the Knicks made that trade for him, like early season, which I never wanted because they were asking for way too much because that Rudy Gobert trade was nuts. That that was my biggest problem with that trade. Like you only make a trade like that for a guy like Kevin Durant. Now, when Kevin Durant became available, package up Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, five first-round draft picks, ship it out for Kevin Durant. Like that's a kingmaker. Right, you're right. You give up. Right, you'd give up everything. But you look at Donovan Mitchell at a level. And by the way, as much as I love Donovan Mitchell and thought he would have been the perfect fit here. I was with you at the time. This is not in hindsight. I did not want to blow the whole thing up for him, not because I didn't like Mitchell as a player, but because I didn't think he was enough of a difference maker to warrant giving up all of that. Now, we don't even know what all of it was. We've heard R.J. Barrett, a lot of picks, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, anywhere from all of that, maybe three out of four of that. You get the point. It, to me, was a lot for a guy who wasn't going to get them to a championship level. However, I did not think Jalen Brunson would be this good. And the fact that he is, now I wish that they did have Donovan Mitchell to play alongside him. But, of course, I wouldn't have wanted to give up everything else that might have had to have gone to Cleveland or Utah to get him. Yeah, the thing about Jalen Brunson is I've only doubted his ability one time in my life. And that was when he was on Villanova, and I thought he was too small to carry them to a national championship. And he did that. 
like winning winning the NCAA tournament is no small feat, and he was able to do that with the Villanova team. You I thought played. he'd be this good at the pros? You thought he'd be this good uh, I didn't, with the Knicks? No, no, I I had no idea he was going to bring it to this kind of level. But last year, he he helped. He was a key part Correct. that brought Dallas to the Western Conference Finals. Correct. I mean, he he was cooking Curry because he's bigger and stronger in size. He's reliable. He became a no star point. in the postseason, and maybe the Mavs didn't believe it. And the Knicks were, you know, fortunate enough to be able to go get him. They did believe in it, and he's become even better now. He is a I mean, I, a leader. He's dude. He's a legit star in the league now. He's a superstar. I think the Mavs did know that. That's why Leon Rhodes got punished second round picks for tampering. I mean, right? Because his father and the relationship with Rose and with Tibbs and all that stuff. I get it. he wanted to be with the Knicks. Tamper but, all you need, dude. If tampering got his Patrick Ewing in that draft all the way back then, whatever, man. Like, yeah. let's 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 win some titles with the Knicks. Yeah, well, but like Brunson could be that guy. He is that guy. I mean, he's well, now he, the number he, one. He well, no, no. He needs to be the two. You know what I'm saying? We still need a kingmaker. Like, there's only five players in the NBA that are worth that kind of pick. Like for Don, I'm going back to Donovan Mitchell. There's only five players. You know, it's like LeBron, Kevin Durant, Jokic, Giannis, and Doncic. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can name you five guards off the top of my head that are better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, and I I get it, but you still need that type of player. I mean, you could say the same thing about Julius Randle then, obviously. Well, yeah, well, that's what I was saying. Yo, I mean, and Sal, you would love this too because I know your opinion. Like, Evan Roberts is one of the greatest sports fans of all time. Right. But he is insufferable when his teams are winning. If the Knicks were able to trade Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, and Take the rant from the net. I it would have been. Yeah, well, well, of course. I mean, that would have been. He, Evan uh, might have quit himself. He wouldn't have been oh able to handle God. that. We would have taken down Christopher Columbus down from the circle and put up Kevin Durant up there. I mean, if he if he brought a title to New it, York, that, that would have been impossible. And good call, Tyler. We appreciate checking in. Good info. That would have been impossible for Evan to take. Evan, who clearly hates the Knicks, plus had to deal with the Knicks fans and their jealousy ripping on the Nets for breaking up the solid foundation that they built with Atkinson and the young players, selling their soul to bring in KD and Kyrie. And Nick fans were jealous and ripping them. And then to have that turn into the mess that it did, if, in fact, it ever resulted in KD getting traded to the Knicks and then those same Nick fans that were making fun of the Nets would be sitting there celebrating, buying KD jerseys left and right, I guarantee you that would have been intolerable for Evan. You're right. But it didn't happen that way. He's in Phoenix, and the Knicks still have their team. But Brunson, to me, is a legit number one right now. Now, you want to get a 1A, you want to get a number two, however you call it. Randall is probably best as a third, if at all. And it's hard to keep knocking Randall because the guy's a two-time All-Star and he's playing his rear end off. But I think Brunson is that dude. He's, He's a number one right now. What level, number one? I mean, you gave five guys that are all-world, all-time great players. You have to draft them and develop them. And not all of them are top picks either. Knicks have had their chances. They've screwed up. Eight, seven, eight. Can't keep screwing them up. And now they're too good to where, you know, they're not going to have one of those top picks. Kevin Knox... R.J. Barrett, Frank Nielakina. You wonder why the Knicks don't have 
the success that you'd hope. You wonder why they haven't been able to find a star. It's because they waste draft picks, top draft picks on those guys that I just mentioned. Chargers and the New York Giants have exchanged their draft picks. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Eli Manning and Philip Rivers. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Fan 877-337-6666 is the number to call going on 5 a.m. The warm-up show with Al and CeeLo. Jerry in for Boomer once again with Gio. Jerry getting some uh, well-deserved, well-needed rest in right now after coming back from Minnesota on the Rutgers charter plane after the heartbreaking buzzer beater loss that Rutgers suffered and really just the collapse that they had in the final 60 seconds of that game, losing a tough one uh, on the road. You know, I just... One thing about, it's not just the New York media, the media in general. We've been talking about this all week, and I know it was a a big article in the Post yesterday with Brian Costello. I hate how everybody is telling Aaron Rodgers what timeline he should be making his own decision in. I don't understand how I'm the only like sane one here. Whether this is dating back to Rodgers and his comments in regards to the vaccine, where he never said... He took the shot. He alluded to the idea that he might have, but he never flat out said anything. And yet the media members took it a certain way. Instead of just looking at it for saying, well, he never admitted it. Why is he being elusive? Why is he being, I don't know, you know, non-discreet about the shot, whatever it was at that particular time. But I felt like people, the media members in particular, took it the wrong way or didn't understand what Rodgers was saying. And yet again, here we're in a situation, obviously different because it has nothing to do with the vaccine this time. But we're in a situation where Rodgers is basically telling you out in the open that this is a real big life, serious decision that he needs to make. And he doesn't want to rush it. And yet everybody is basically telling him, rush it, rush it. Oh, come on, you diva. Oh, oh he's so dramatic. Oh, he's all about the drama, all about the attention. When that's not what's happening here. All Rogers is saying is, I want time to make this decision. Does he not have that right? Who are we to force an issue just because we want to know what the answer is? Who are we to force him to... Tell us where what he wants to do now. Come on. And he sees it and he's just like, it's laughable. And I can see how it would be frustrating. He's not only misunderstood, but I think people don't want to hear or see the facts when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Imagine somebody telling you to rush a decision like that. For what reason? For somebody else's benefit? Give the guy a break. He's not dragging this out for drama or for attention. 
he's legitimately trying to figure out what he wants to do. Oh, yeah, he knows. How do you know he knows? Tough choice. Val is calling from the Bronx. What's up, Val? What's up, sir, baby boy? How you doing this morning, my man? Good, Val. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. I got some stuff to talk with you about Yankees. But again, you keep doing this to me. Every time I call, you start on something, and I got to speak to it before I get into what I call for. Oh, go ahead. Floor is yours. We I, got plenty of time. I, I, you know, I hear you with that stuff, what you, ju- what you just said about um, Aaron Rodgers. And I feel the same way you do. But in this particular case, I'm kind of selfish. But we got things to do, son. We can't be waiting around here trying to. But I mean, then don't. Know, then make your decision. No, I hear you with that. That is. Real I mean, think too. think about that it this way: if you're too. if you're proposing to a girl, whatever it, whatever the situation may be, and she doesn't give you an answer, and you're like, "Yeah, but you know what? I need to know so I can move on with my life." She's not the issue. You are. If if that's, that's her, the, if she doesn't make the decision right away, then move on. You know what I mean? Maybe that's not a great that, analogy, but. Nah, it's not. Because, you know, you're not proposing to somebody with somebody else waiting in the wings talking about, well, if you say, no, I'm about to jump to this girl. If you're doing that, then you're asking for a divorce. You know what I mean? Right, but do you, what, which one wrong. do you want? Do you want Rodgers or no? No, I hear you. I do want him. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, like I said, we got things to do. No, but if you, you want know? him, then you and, wait for him. I hear you with that. If you want no, him, then no, you no, wait for right. him. You're right. You're right. That, 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 I, like I said, I understand where you're coming from with Their, that. Put it this way. You. Their decision should not be contingent on how long Rodgers takes. Now, at some point, you got to draw the line in the sand and say, hey, if we don't have an answer now, we're going to move on. But if their if their decision is they want Rodgers right now, then they wait it out. It's it's they they have time. This is just a, it's a still a new thing here. And he said, by the way, no, he expects to make a decision relatively soon. I hear you. The timeline is on us. You know, what I'm saying if you do draw that line in the sand, then that's because you got to move on. Right. You can't put that on him. And I hear you with that. I I agree with you with that. But I'm just saying that that's how we feel. Like we got things to do, bro. You see, you know, what I'm saying we got things to do. We need we got moves to make, bro. I'm taking route three. I'm taking route four. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Wait, tell okay. me which one got the most. You know what I mean? And then you say something about the Knicks, too. Um, I, yo, I really think everybody got blown away with that, but I feel like that's really what was the, 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 the hesitation in the whole thing from the Knicks because as much as they wanted Mitchell, they didn't want him. I, I spoke to somebody, I think it was EJ, the other night, and I really feel like that. It's one thing to say we give up Toppin or we gave up Grimes. But at the same time, I feel like the, the 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 with him on the floor right now, and we had the 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 other four guys that we have going: Mitchell, Robinson, R.J., um, uh, Brunson, and Randall. Like we needed Mitchell with that group to to have him and not have even if we lost a piece like Barrett, but to have him and not have the majority of that core. Well, you could live. Like, you could have lived with the swap. Of Mitchell and RJ, you can't live with Mitchell uh, for RJ Grimes and quickly, quickly and Toppin. And well, well, yeah, yeah but you could you could give up Top. See, I would have given up RJ Toppin and whatever picks that they wanted. That's fine. But I'm saying you see you see you see how quickly it's cooking now coming off the bench. Oh, I you know that. Sudden, I know that. You, now you may have had to give up plan, right. right. Oh, hey, that's exactly right. So it, it would change things if you you may have had to give up Grimes and or quickly on top of Barrett topping in picks. Would you have done that? Like I I didn't mind Grimes. 
because essentially Mitchell is coming to play Grimes' spot and do it at a, a much higher clip. You well, know what I'm saying? Uh, but, but he but plays. Like, but he, but the, Grimes and, is a shutdown defender potentially. That's why you want him instead of Mitchell. Yeah, but we could have made up the, the, or, the, the or in the addition. For that. Well, no, Mitchell would be taking over for Barrett, and then you want to have Grimes and quickly in addition. Uh, I don't agree with that because Barrett really plays as a three, and you were really bringing Mitchell in there to be that number two. But see now you get me off track. I didn't call for that. Go ahead. What do you want to talk about? For that. Well, you got to so, get to it okay. now because we've wasted like five minutes and talking about stuff you didn't really want no, to talk I got about. You. I got you. I'm gonna get into it real, real quick. This is my feelings though. A lot of the stuff that's going on with the rule changes, which is what I wanted to talk to you about. I feel like, apart from the, the man on second and that seven-inning thing with the doubleheader, everything else is really just bringing the game back to what it was 25, 30 years ago anyway. Correct. So for a purist to get on the phone and say that they got an issue with something, a lot, of the, a lot of times from what I've been hearing over the last few years is them saying, like, can we get back to when it used to be like that? What, what's taking this guy so long? Was it, the thing that I have an issue with, though, and I'm going to be selfish about this right now, I feel like a lot of that stuff started in the days of, like, the Oaklands with the, the money ball, and then when we started having those big clashes with Boston, and those games started to become marathons. And a lot of that was more the, the, the in-game play between the pitcher and the hitter. Guys stepping out more so to try to – like, I'm not even talking about the Garcia Paras with the fixing mm. my gloves and all of that. But I mean, like, you know, the things where, like, you see a hitter trying to step out to break the pitcher's rhythm. You know, or pitcher like even with Cliff Lee, when we saw them in 2009 in the World Series, Cliff Lee was actually the opposite of that, where he was trying to quick pitch everybody. And everybody was like, yo, 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 that's not how the Yankees play. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like in as much as I understood do that with the whole, you know, trying to speed up the game a little bit, that I would kind of miss a little bit. I'm, I'm willing to take it and, and kind of like deal with the adjustment. But I feel like that in-game play, like there was there was some drama that was involved in that that's going to be missing from the game now. You know what I'm saying? But at the same the, time, but the thing I is, Val, for what it is. right? But the thing is, and and you are right, and thank you for the call. You are right to a certain extent that a lot of the rule changes are going to bring the game back, or hopefully bring the game back to what it once was. The difference is it didn't have to used to be timed. Did you see the commercial with me and my sunglasses? I've seen it all night. It's making me <laughs> laugh all night long. That's like why it runs this commercial when I'm wearing. They made us wear those sunglasses one night. And then yeah, sure they a commercial. Did. My favorite commercial on there is that they made a Mary Buckmas commercial with me yelling Mary Buckmas. They have the whole saying, Buck walking into. into How did I miss that? I don't know. It's, uh, yeah, it's on the studio all night long. How did I miss that? It hasn't been on tonight, but I, I don't know why. Maybe it's out of rotation, but it was the last couple of weeks. Um, anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, the difference is, while it may be bringing the old style back, you're forcing the issue specifically with the pitch clock, which is going to change things because in the old days, there was no feel to be rushed. It was just the way that they worked. Now, pitchers are going to feel rushed. Did we talk about this yet, Marco? Do you like the pitch clock? Um, I personally don't, but I think it was needed for the game. Does that make sense? Like, yes. I feel like Major League Baseball needed to do something to try to help their sport. And I think this is one of the things that needed. Now, I've been a big proponent. I've said this a million times. The idea that like 15 minutes or 20 minutes of your night is really what you come away. You go to a game, and you go, you know what? Great game, and I was able to get out of here in two hours. and No. Right. And if it was three hours and ten minutes, and it was a great game, it's the pace. It's the flow. Right. It's the rhythm. Quality some games, play. Yes, yeah, some games feel like they take forever, 
and some games don't, and it's the same amount of time. It's just the way the game was played and the quality of the game and the rhythm of the game. This will help, I think, the casual viewer. I think it it helps the people that feel like the game is a little bit boring. I do like, I apologize, I didn't catch his name on, on the call. I like the fact that he mentioned the drama. You're talking in postseason. In the regular season, you don't need that. You don't. It's nice for the pitcher and the catcher, or I mean the pitcher and the batter, to have those games and whatnot, that cat and mouse stuff. That's not really vital in May. In the postseason, this pitch clock is going to hurt the drama of the game itself. It could hurt it in a regular season game in certain situations. Base is loaded. Right. Base loaded is an automatic you know, you're drama right. situation. But I don't know if that really matters in the overall measure of the game and how much it hurts or helps the game. You know what I mean? Like the overall health of the game, I don't think is really brought to you on a bases loaded seventh inning situation in May. In the postseason, it's going to be glaring. That's the one time where it's going to shine and you're going to take away a little bit of that that drama that's that's folds out in that game because everything is slow paced and everything is thought out. Did you see any numbers? I didn't see any or, or look it up, but I'm sure that they're out there. And Manny, you could interject here if you've seen this. So, 15 seconds is the clock, right, with nobody on. Right. What has been the average for the last, like, five years? What's the average I delivery? Don't I don't know. I would imagine longer than that, though. They, I'm sure that they have the numbers. Right. And maybe they release it somewhere. And we you just, could probably find it pretty easily, actually, if, with like, everything that's going on. Are we talking about 30 seconds, 35 seconds? Like, so no, nah, that, that seems a bit much. I would say probably, like, 20 to 22. Okay. I don't think it's much more. Right, so, so we're talking about a difference of what? Five, six, seven seconds? Think about that. Right. It may feel right. like a lot, but it's nothing. Which, which comes down to the fact of this was needed because everybody took everything too far. But in the reality, of you, you, right, and if you're talking about 20, 21 seconds is not a big deal. Every once in a while, the cat and mouse would have been good and it would have been nice. The problem was we had guys that did take 30 seconds or in between minute. pitches yeah, right. for no reason. Right. For not the, because like I said, I think veterans are going to have a hard time, both pitchers and, and hitters, the guys that are thinking. He, what is he setting me up for? What's he doing here? Right. You know, pitchers that read bat speed. Well, this will eliminate the, the thinking. Right. You can't. You don't have time for that kind of stuff anymore. Right. And some of those guys were stepping out for that. Some of them were just also just doing it just to break the rhythm. That's right. Their game plan was to just throw you off and then hope that you'd make a mistake. Or maybe at a habit. Some guys had getting that habit of doing right. stuff, fidgeting, whatever. Right. You're right. There are the extremists right. that made it bad for everybody else. But I would think we're talking about seconds. I think, to me, the rule that's going to be the one that we really need to see it play out, because we're not really talking about it as much, is the pickoff stuff. That's going to be enormous to me. Because game. stolen bases will be back? I mean, what ha- you, you can't throw over anymore. Right. Guys are going to well, take it's the rule, too, right? It's two, and then it's, right. you know. That's it. You can't throw anymore unless you get them. Bigger bases, which shortens the distance, which should help. Guys are going to get monster leads. Over. Yeah. And now it's going to be... Pitch outs. Now it's going to I mean... Strategy of pitch outs you, coming back. What are you going to do? I mean, that, this is where a Buck Showalter comes into play. I'm sure he's been, you know, putting all kinds of plans on the base-stealing side and yeah, on the I'm pitcher sure, side. I'm sure Aaron Boone is, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait, how many times do you have to throw over? Yeah, um, right. So, like, I, I think that's going to be a big factor because I think they're going to play it out. And they're going to... It's almost a feel-out sense. Guys are going to get bigger leads, and they're going to see. Now, obviously, you can't get too big a league where you can't get back on the first throw because you get picked off. But it's almost like I feel like we might get into Little League stuff. Like, guys don't want to throw over. It's like John Lester. Guys are going to have enormous leads because he was afraid to throw over. Right. And you might get a lot more running involved. Plus, you don't have the shift involved. So, you maybe actually bring back hit and runs. Like, this can open up a whole lot of things that I don't know if baseball's willing or ready to do. 
but it might actually bring back a lot of that baseball. move the guys around. Baseball. Put the ball in play, move right. the runners over, hit and run, stolen bases. That's baseball. But you know as well as I do, the analytics come from something. They come from numbers. So right. it's going to have to be over April, May, June. There's going to have to be a trend that tells you you can score more runs doing this than waiting for the three-run homer. Right. Because until those numbers equate, they're going to continue to play the game the way it was played. The reason why they're swinging for the fences is because the numbers tell you that's the best way to score right. runs. Right, just like shooting the three in the NBA. Numbers um, say that's the best way to score points, right? Until you give me a I mean, concrete ver You could say your eyes tell you, but until the printout says this is not the way to do it. Analytics have killed sports. They won't change until the printout says it. So I'm curious to see if this can get the running game going because, again, pickoffs are going to be a totally different story and the bases and the oven mitts. I mean, you're talking, you know, what was the 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 Alex Core four inches with the with the size of the of the base? Right. He's at a four inches a lot. Add the oven mitt on top of it. I mean, we're talking what six seven inches extra plus a bigger lead. Guys can actually really start running now. Right. That was something that it was taboo well, simply it, it, because you don't get there enough. If you add three inches each base, you're talking about six inches right there. To your point, all the stuff, you know, like the oven mitt, whatever. Yeah, and it's a game of inches. Six inches is a lot. I mean, we're talking, when you talk about the, like, you know, what's the average with 2.3 or whatever it is, or 1.8, what's the, you know, I don't remember the the stock clocks now off the top of my head, but, like, you're talking tenths of a second. Yeah. So now we're talking six, seven, eight. I mean, we're almost to a foot here. That's a lot. Yeah. And if if that changes 78% stolen base percentage to 94 Guys are going to be running rampant because it's all about numbers. That's where the game has come down to. So I'm curious to see if that really changes the way things are. There's a lot of intrigue uh, going into the baseball season, not just to see how whatever team you root for does, but the new rule changes, how it makes the game look. We might be looking at somewhat of a different game. Same game, but somewhat different. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.